Well, good morning, Lyft. Oh, that was weak. Good morning, Lyft. My name is Randy, and I am so glad to be here, so glad that you're here. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're watching this online, thanks for joining us. I believe God is speaking to us all, speaking to me, and I don't want to miss a thing. You know, he doesn't waste a single word. I've said a few extra words. I've been in a situation that was way above my head, way above my understanding of the Bible, way above my understanding of the Lord and how he works, way above my uh, whatever. And I have been in a confrontation when the Lord gave me exactly what to say. And then confidence rose in me. And then Randy started to speak. And I got clobbered. And I'd like to say that first instance like that was many, many, many years ago, but unfortunately, still happens. And so uh, a wise man once said to me, and it's still true, more often than not, we regret what we said rather than what we didn't say. And I've tried to keep that close in mind as I open my big trapper to say things. So God said no. I asked God to take away my habit. I'm actually reading a story from a clip that I found. I asked God to take away my habit, and God said, no, it is not for me to take away, but for you to give it up. I asked God to make my handicapped child whole. God said, no, his spirit is whole. His body is only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience, and God said, no. Patience is a byproduct of tribulations. It isn't granted. It is learned. I asked God to give me happiness, and God said, no, I give you blessings. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain, and God said, no, suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. I asked God to make my spirit grow, and God said, no, you must grow on your own, but I will prune you to make you fruitful. I asked God for all things that I might enjoy life. God said, no, I will give you life so that you may enjoy all things. I asked God to help me love others as much as he loves me. And God said, ah, finally, you have the idea. Now, theologically, I don't agree with 99% of what that said. Because I, but, but I think the last part is true. We have a mindset that is often our biggest enemy. We live our lives, Christians, Christian lives. If you're not a believer in Jesus here today, uh, you're going to, you'll be, you'll say amen to this about all of us. Christians tend to live our lives continually seeking the know of God. or at least expecting it. If I do something, I make a mistake, or I've already made mistakes, and he's just going to shut me down. He's going to slap me down. When we started Lyft seven and a half years ago, we had people coming that had been at other places, and we we were forming. We're, we're, we're still forming 
into who we are called to be. But one of the things was uh, people one felt like they had something to say, like to come up, like today. She came up and had a great encouragement to us. And and the, they wanted to say something. They wanted to come say something. But they didn't want to do that because when they tried to do that somewhere else, they were told no. Now, there came a time when we had them lining up, five or six. And it's not that they all didn't have something good to say or that what wouldn't be a, a good thing. It's just not everything everybody had to say was for everyone. So there's only so many things that you can even take time to, to you know, to, to allow God to absorb. So we'd have to say, not, not this one. Put it on Dream Team because we have a private Facebook group where people can do those things and stuff. And so then that turned into, well, I can't go up because I got told no. I saw them get turned away. So I'm not gonna... And what I'm trying to get at here is that we, we, we tend to follow the no, but we don't make room for the yes. And God is so ready to say yes to you and I. All his promises are what? Yes. And are, amen, in Christ. Right? I'm not saying there's not a time for no, but I'm telling you, there's a greater time ahead of us right now. I believe it's today. I believe it's right now for this body of believers. And it's a gigantic yes of God. Yes. Would you, do you think I should go talk? Yes. Could it be that I am, there's more to me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Are you mad at me? And your wife says, yes. Sometimes in a marriage you go through that to where you, you I want to say you play games, but they're not really games. It's just that you're not connecting and one's not in harmony with the other. Okay, and unless, at least for me, unless Kelly tells me, if I'm not aware, I don't know what's what's going on with that. Same with her. If I'm in a if I'm in a funk, and I and I don't share in a constructive way with her, then she doesn't know. It's communication, and it's time and time again the thing that we deal with in marriages. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to do some stuff with a couple here in the church. And I guarantee you, I just got the results in it. And I haven't looked. We do a little assessment before we talk, before they get married. We just have a, a, a premarital kind of thing. I, I think they're getting married. I don't know. I, have, I didn't ask that question. I think they are. So I may have stepped the, I don't think so. Anyway, almost every time, communication is one of the issues. And if communication is such a strong thing to help to get right in a marriage, to help to get right in a family, to help to get right in a business at your job, if it's so strong, then it must be a strong thing between us and our Father who is wanting to communicate with us. And we have to be willing to listen. 
Jesus said multiple times, let him who has ears hear. And that means have willing ears. Be willing. I love the story of, of, the, uh, of the guy that came and the disciples, he had the leprosy. And the disciples were freaking out. Get away. Don't, Lord, don't touch him, whatever. And he came to him and said, I know you can do this. Lord, if you're willing, heal me if you're willing. And Jesus says, I am willing. And he touched him. Now, here's the kicker. Had he touched him and he didn't heal him, then Jesus would have sinned. And he would not have been the sinless price on the cross. But he did heal him. And he's still willing. Still. He still has a yes for you and I. I want you to turn. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, last, last chapter in Matthew. Matthew 28, verse 16. You, you might have a title on this. This is the Great Commission. 16, and I'm in the Passion Translation. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the woman and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him, but stump, stump, but some still had lingering doubts. Now, uh, Pastor Chris talked about this some last week, but which if you didn't hear that, it was really good. You need to go watch it and listen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. All the things Jesus had done that they had seen happen, all the miracles, all of those things, they saw him die. They knew his, you know, they knew what they had done personally to deny him in whatever fashion. And, and they'd been told he was alive. And now he's right here in front of them. And some still had doubts. They had doubts. With him, in person, they still had doubt. What is that about? That is hanging on to a no. When yes is right in front of you. Yes. Some, the moment they saw him, they worshipped him. But some still had lingering doubts. Then Jesus came close to them. Which them? I'll bet you those ones that had doubts. You think? You think he might have got right up into their face? And he said this, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. <laughs> Do you have doubts now? All authority has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to, to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget, never forget, never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Never forget. That means something. I want to tell you, I get in battles. 
with my mind, with people, with situations. And I'd like to think that I don't forget that he's with me. But often I do. I get overwhelmed. It's easy to say, your yes is my yes, Lord. It's another thing to know he's really with me in the middle of this. And part of that's because I sometimes make the messes that I'm in. Sometimes I'm the key player. No, never forget that I'm with you, even to the completion of this age. Turn to Mark 16. That's like his last thing there in the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission. By the way, we're going to do a baptism service. Some people have already signed up. You can go to lift.churchcenter.com, go to things happening or events or whatever it is and find baptism and sign up if you would like to be immersed, water baptized, right here in the middle between these two pillars is where we're going to do it. We haven't set a date yet because I want to see uh, if we have people. I know we have some people, but I want to see how many we got so we can work it in. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were baptized, you know, earlier in your life, but you weren't quite on board with your faith like you are now, and you'd like to do that again. And that's okay. We would love to help you make that proclamation, that declaration. Mark chapter 16. We're at the end of Mark now. Another gospel. Verse 14. We're going to do 14 through 20 of Mark 16. Then Jesus appeared before the 11 apostles as they were eating a meal. And you know why there were 11, right? Because Judas is gone. He has killed himself after he gave up Jesus before the cross. This is after the cross. He appeared before the 11 apostles as they were eating the meal. He corrected them for having such hard, unbelieving hearts because they did not believe those who saw him after his resurrection. He corrected them. 15, and he said to them, as you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. 16, whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and will heal them. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and set down at the right, at the place of honor. I'm sorry. And set down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. How did he work consistently with them? Because he said, go and wait until the comforter comes. He said, it'll be better if I go because I'm going to send another to be with you. I'm going to send another who will be your yes in the middle of your no. Go and wait. And they did. And they waited in the upper room. You know the story, Pentecost Sunday. And the Holy Spirit came. Craziness happened in the room, fire and wind and tongues and the whole crazy mess. And they come out. Everybody thought they were drunk, but they weren't. 
thousands of people in the city because it was, a, it was a, a festival day. It was a festival time. And Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said it was going to happen before the cock crowed, stood up and said, these men aren't drunk. This was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he began to share with them with boldness. How? Because Holy Spirit had come. How did he go from, no, I don't know who he is, to, yes, it's, this is what the Lord is doing. Yes, you killed him, but you didn't really. He died for you. His, he took the no's and became a yes right in front of them. Mr. Denier became Mr. Declarer. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have notes. He didn't have a monitor in front of him. He didn't have any of those things. He had Holy Spirit inside of him. This is how God was with them, to declare and to show himself on the scene. Now I want you to go to Acts chapter 4, verse 29. We're going to read 29 through 33, Acts this is my last scripture, by the way. There was some persecution going on. They'd already been brought before the officials, a couple of disciples. They'd been told, don't do that. They'd be given a no. No. They got out, came back to the people, to the church. Verse 29 says, they began to pray. That's what happened. They began to pray after all this had happened. They come and describe what had happened to them and how they were declaring the Lord. They were, they, were, they were saying yes, and they were being told no. They were saying yes, and they were being told no. And then they began to pray, and they said this, empower us as your servants, talking to the Lord to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. Listen to this, verse 33. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measure of grace rested upon them all. I dabble a little bit in... Uh, Illusions, little tricks. I've done it for years. Right? When I go on a mission trip or whatever, if I can do a little thing, I got a kid's attention for a long time. If I do it well, if I don't do it well, then they got it figured out. I got some things I do here, and these kids are so smart, I can't do them anymore because they're not good enough. They're, they're, they're not that easily fooled. But the thing that kind of got me interested in it, I think, as a, as a very young man, is that I just want to know how that's done. I, I didn't like to be fooled, I think. And so if you bought the trick, you'd find out how it's done. 
And time and time again, I would find out how it's done, and it was no longer magical for me. Oh, that's how you do that. That's not really that, or this and that, whatever. And and the, th- the thing is, some of those things, I'd find out how they're done, but they're still too hard, and I couldn't do them. If it was too much work, then it took too much practice, and I just didn't do it. my own stuff that I can't do. But I know how to do it. What I want to know is how is it that we, you know how it is when you, when you, when you, like you do a, I bought my son a game. I don't even know, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a game of, it's kind of like a uh, escape room. It's a game for one person. And you take it and you go through it. And there's just puzzle after puzzle to finally complete the thing. It has a keyhole on the front of the box. I can't remember what the name of it is, but I thought, oh, this screams my son. He'll like this. We'll, we'll find out. But it's for one person. One person does it. But when you get done with it, well, you can't play it again because you've already you've done it. So you package it all up, and you can give it to someone else for them to go through it. But you would never want to do it again because you, you know it. You know the end or the answer or whatever. So my, my point is this. How is it that we can come to a place in our Christian walk where we know these things, we know certain things, we've been taught certain things, and yet... We say, yeah, and then we just move on past it. How can the church as a whole, how can the church as a whole act the way it does towards Holy Spirit? I don't understand that. I don't understand how we can say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. I I can't see that. I don't read that. It's in my Bible. And I don't read anywhere in there where it stopped. I just can't imagine how as believers, as Christ followers on earth, as, as the, the, my beloved, we are his beloved, how, we can't, how can we not live a life that is supernaturally charged with his presence and with his power, with his insight? With his yes. Who wants to follow a God that has no power? And yet, we're quite capable of doing so many things ourselves. I know people that, that aren't spirit-filled, quote, spirit-filled. I want to get into a bunch of semantics. But they, they, don't, they don't necessarily believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit with the point of praying in tongues, with having a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or, you know, gift of faith manifesting or whatever. But, they're, but man, they're feeding the poor. And they're, and they're taking care of the widow. And they're dealing with the orphans. I mean, they're doing great things. There, there are people that don't profess to believe the way that I do. But how, how hard is it to do all that stuff on your own when God sent his helper, his Holy Spirit, to live inside of you? If you're born again, Holy Spirit lives in you. He's there. You can't do nothing except believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he came. He lives inside of you. Whether or not you're yielding to him, that's a whole nother question. And you can go from this point on in your life 
and work it out on your own. Or I'm calling you to step up and say, God, I can't do it. There's a song that says, I'm not enough unless you come. Would you meet with me again? And I love the song. It's a great worship song to invite his presence into the room. But I'm telling you, if you just want to say that straight out, Holy Spirit says, I ain't go anywhere. I'm here. I've been here all along. I know, but I felt a little dry and like I was far from you, God. Well, you may have felt that way, but I was not far from you. I am here, and I am ready. I'm alive. I'm a person. My name is Holy Spirit. And I'm here to do exactly what Jesus said I would come to do, to remind you of everything Jesus said. I've come to comfort you when you need comfort. I had a little bit of struggle this week because it was the three-year anniversary of my brother passing away. And it hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to. And fortunately, two weeks ago, I got an opportunity to go visit his uh, youngest daughter who just had a baby. In Nashville, uh, Kelly and Lizzie went with, with, with me, and we went to Nashville, and I got to go see that two-week-old baby and hold that baby because my brother wasn't there to do that. And I look a lot like my brother, always a little more good-looking than him because he was old. He was eight years older than me. But uh, very, very, uh, always very odd when we would get together, our family and his family, because our kids would just look at both of us like, what is going on here? And we talked alike, and, and we had mannerisms alike, and, and it was just kind of creeped all of the kids out. But I got to go hold that baby. And I know it was meaningful. And my sister-in-law, his wife, was there. His widow was there. And she just lost her mother the month before, a month before, a month ago. And that was, man, what she clung on to after my brother passed away was the mom. And now she still has other kids, but everybody in the town where she lives is, is no longer with us. And that was a privilege to do that. And I didn't realize how close it was to the anniversary. And, and when we got home, then it happened. But you know what? I don't care how much time you've lost. I don't care how many opportunities you passed by. Today's the time. God's the big maker-upper of time. He can make the difference because time doesn't bother him. Your destiny doesn't change because you haven't embraced it fully. All things work for the good to those who are what? Called according to his purpose. You see, I'm reminded of the fact that had we not started Lyft, Hannah, Chris and Deanne's daughter, would not be married, potentially, at least not to who she's married to, and have the two kids. Because they met here. Because Joe and Amber came. Right? And James was the best friend of Joe from New York and met Hannah and said, hello, honey. <laughs> you know, potentially Sarah and Tyler might not have came to the same place. 
There's so many things time and time again. I, there are people in this congregation, in this congregation, who were a mess when they came here. They were a mess. By the grace of God, things have turned around. Things have changed. I don't know why you're here or why you keep coming here, but I'm telling you, it's time to get on his yes and amen and all of our nope, can't happen, and get off of our, I'm going to work it out. When I get this, when it's like that, when there's more of this, then I'm going to be okay. And I'm telling you to surrender and lay it down and let the one who's come to live inside of you have some control. Surrender to Holy Spirit. I'm begging you to surrender to Holy Spirit. Your homework this week is to talk to him. Talk to him. When was the last time you did that? Good. No, really. I mean, seriously. Talk to him. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to just talk to him. Say hello. You don't have to go, oh, Holy Spirit, thou art with me. No, talk to him like he's your friend. He, he knows you better than you know you. There's a song that says, he's the one who knows me the most, the best, the most, what is it? The one who knows me best and loves me most. That's Holy Spirit. I know, we say God, we say Father. Let me, let, listen. God the Father is over it all, right? Jesus is set, seated at the right hand of him because he, he came, he saw, he defeated, and he took names, and he went, and he's sitting on the throne. He's praying for you and I. But the activator, the one that's active, is Holy Spirit. He's here in you. So it's not a far off, far, far away at another time galaxy thing. It's right now. He's here in you. And I started with this. I'm going to end with it. A wise man once told me, you more often than not regret what you said rather than what you didn't say. So don't have any regrets. Hold your tongue. Say, Holy Spirit, what have you got for me? And shut up and listen. And know two reasons why people don't, don't ask God to speak to them. Number one, what if he doesn't, if I ask? What if he didn't say anything to me? Right? That's scary. What if I ask and he says, and I hear nothing? I'm here to tell you, it's okay. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Ask. The other reason is that he might speak and he might tell you something you don't want to do or you don't want to hear. Well, that's, 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 a, that's a miss too because the Bible says he was to give you the desires of your heart. And if you don't know what your desires are, you need him to help you with that. I think this is my desire. You don't have to worry about him telling you something, to do something, to go somewhere, to go to another country or whatever. That's not a desire in your heart. And by the way, 
Who puts the desires in your heart? Who put them there? He did. God did. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows all the days of your path. He knows your beginning from your end. He has a plan for you, for hope, right? Not destruction. He's not out to get you. He has answers you don't. Spend some time with your friend, with God, the Holy Spirit. Lauren L. Harris used to sing a song that said, I miss my time with you. Those moments together when we would come together. God wants to speak to you so powerfully, so powerfully, so prophetically. Chris and I were talking to someone this week, an issue that we had to work out with somebody, and and it worked out well. It was really good. We went to that person. There was a concern that we had. We went to that person, and we were talking with them, and they were like, oh, my gosh, don't, don't. Don't get me in trouble or whatever. And we, no, no, we're not here for that. We're here just to, to work this thing out. We had an issue. We're not trying to do that. And then Chris had a, a prophetic word for him. I said, you know, you're having trouble sleeping, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. And this whole thing just opened up. That was a prophetic word. That was a Holy Spirit working. We need you sensitive. God needs you sensitive in this house. As people come, you, we need you to be ready to pray, to speak the word of the Lord. And you know what? I don't know how you can do that without praying in tongues. That's another message. But it's the only time my brain rests, seems like. It's not that bad anymore. It used to be the only time. Now I actually get sleep and stuff, but. Man, when I'm praying in the spirit, my, my mind finally gets out of, the, out of the process so that God can do what he wants to do. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes he reveals to me what I've been praying. But the main thing is, the Bible says that he who prays in other tongues edifies himself. It builds me up. I feel better. I feel recharged after the Holy Spirit has ministered to me. So, so you know, talk to the Holy Spirit. Talk to him. Ask him, how's he doing? What's he got for you? And if you don't hear anything, it might be a good time just to pray in the spirit and let him pray over you. Let him build you up and edify you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you, in your mighty wisdom and generosity, so loved us that you gave your only begotten son. We know that. We're getting close to Easter. We're going to look at the sacrifice closely and at the cross closely. So I thank you for that gift. And Jesus, my goodness, you came so that we could see a picture of the Father. We'd know what he is and how he looks. You said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. We're so grateful because that helps us understand immensely. It's so helpful. I'm so grateful that you sent even more than just to show yourself in Scripture and in the Word, you sent your Holy Spirit, your living Spirit. Holy Spirit, I am so glad you are alive in me 
and in these other believers that are hearing my voice. And we want nothing but your yes and amen. We want nothing but what you have on your heart. We're asking for you. We're asking for you. And nothing else, just you. We just want you. So Holy Spirit, do a work in us this week. May we have testimony next week of how Holy Spirit, you spoke to us and you used us in a powerful way. You, you, you changed the impossible to possible. And I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.